Hello, welcome back to Chicago's Underground. It's me, your host, Maggie O'Shea. Thank you for tuning in. I like these kind of intros. They're a little bit dramatic, but I enjoy it. All right, um, so we have a common theme between the past two podcasts I have created. These are for academic purposes. However, they still may relate to you. So today's topic is going to be on um, free speech uh, of student athletes. So it's going to tie into a little bit of the First Amendment, um, freedom of expression, focusing solely on student athletes in the NCAA. Um, What else can I say about this? We're going to title this episode... Restricting student athletes in 280 characters or less. Shall we save the hashtags for the influencers? That's going to be my little subtitle. I like it. I have um, a few case studies here to talk about, and I'll give my opinion on things, but uh, that's the intro. So before we get started on the facts and the details and then my own opinion of um, the whole topic within itself, I want to give a little update on me and my life because even though this particular episode is for academic purposes, who knows where this will be in a few months to come, and I just think it will be fun to look back on. Um, For starters, finals are coming up soon. Um, This is being recorded maybe three weeks prior to finals, two weeks prior to finals. Um, I'm a senior. This is a little interesting. I don't know what's to come. Um, I start my first corporate position in two weeks. I am doing the marketing for a company in the city, in the Chicago Board of Trade building. I am extremely nervous, but also at the same time, super excited. I have a little bit of imposter syndrome, but you know what? You need to do things that scare you in order to grow as a human being. I'm excited for all of the skills that I do have to be tested, and then I'm excited to learn a ton of new things and just be challenged and I do consider myself an extremely independent person, but I think this is going to test that a little bit. Um, I don't want to disclose the name of the company yet. Just, I don't know if that would be against legal regulations. I don't know yet. You know what? We'll figure that out in the future. But, um, you know, in terms of where I actually want to be in the next six months following graduation, I have no idea anymore. No idea. And if you were to ask me that a year ago, I would be like, oh, I'm doing A and B and C and D. And then after that, I'm going to plan this. And then I'm going to travel here and I'm going to do there. And I'm going to be honest with you, those plans are not always realistic. And especially living through an entire pandemic, it's scary. Um, we've definitely seen that a lot in the world of sports. And if I were to you choose to fully pursue that career, you know, I do have a lot of different options. I could play it safe or I could choose to go the risky route. It just depends on what I'm feeling. Um, All right, now that we got a little bit of the housekeeping out of the way, let's get into the actual um, content of the podcast. The purpose today is to just kind of inform you of what is going on via social media and how it relates to free speech and student athletes within the NCAA. So the NCAA Division I Committee on Infractions Report states 
Open quote, the committee recognizes that social networking sites are a preferred method of communication in present society, particularly so among college-age individuals. While we do not impose an absolute duty upon member institutions to regulatory, sorry, regularly monitor such sites, the duty to do so may arise as part of the institution's heightened awareness when it has or should have a reasonable suspicion of rules violations. If the member desires that the duty to monitor social networking sites extend further than we state here, the matter is best dealt with through NCAA legislation. So I find this extremely interesting because the NCAA recognizes how important social media is. I think social media is completely revolutionizing society as we know it today. Going into lockdown, that definitely was amplified. So they acknowledge how important it is, but they don't impose any guidance or rules for not only the student athlete themselves who have to sign this contract, but also for the university and for all of those sponsorships, organizations, you know, everyone who's tied into the NCAA, like they just don't know. And I know this is only for the student athletes who are signing this, but there are just no guidelines into what to follow when you are involved with the NCAA. So this creates a lot of gray area for student athletes. Um, They're not sure what they can post. And I even, I read, um, it was a blog article, so I don't want to necessarily cite it as an academic journal because it's not. But I read during this blog, or in this blog article, someone was stating how the most quiet people throughout the social justice movement in uh, June of 2020 were student athletes. And this is because they were afraid of what was going to happen. If they were going to state their opinions on what they want to happen, what they think should happen, like trying to raise awareness for social justice, will the university come for them? Will the NCAA come for them? Will the coaches, will they bench them? Like they just, they don't know. And that gray area confusion is hard when you're living your day-to-day life and you're constantly living through social media because you know you can't really avoid it and if you're in college you're young and it's incorporated into our educational literature at this point you you can't really avoid voicing your own opinion if you're quiet people are questioning you if you're not people are trying to you know kind of shun you for expressing your opinions there's also the social difficulty on what's right what's wrong you don't you know it becomes it becomes hard Although the NCAA itself hasn't made strict set guidelines on what they want their social media restriction slash viewing to look like with their student athletes, there have been organizations and universities who have created their own statements, and one of them being um, the Ohio State University. So the Student-athlete standards of conduct and social media policy at The Ohio State University states, the university may monitor student-athlete public postings on social networks of all kinds for postings that do not foster such a positive team culture or which otherwise violate team rules governing athletic rules, university rules, or applicable law. Student-athletes have no right to expect privacy in what they post on social media. Failure to abide by the student-athlete standards of conduct and or the student-athlete social media policy will result in loss of privileges and other sanctions as appropriate. So this includes not only losing their scholarship to the university, but they may also get kicked off the team and lose any credibility that they had in the sport that they perform in. 
So, you know, what's considered violating the rules is completely at the discretion of the university because of the lack of uniformity within the NCAA. Ohio State has a very strict social media policy. Um, they also are trying to control on the words that are being used on their social media platforms, not necessarily opinions, but the words. It is noted that, you know, they, they can't trash talk their opponents, which, you know, it's a given. You should sportsmanship. That's big. But um, sometimes that creates a little bit of energy for the game, you know? Like, think of, think of University of Michigan versus the Ohio State University. While the players can't say much about it, the... The fans in the community, they go back and forth, you know, cancel Michigan, like everything goes on and on about Michigan, but the athletes can't say anything, otherwise they're going to lose their scholarship, even though they have this strong passion and desire for their, you know, their school and for their sport, and that's who they identify as. By implementing this social media policy, the Ohio State University is taking away the freedom of speech of these student athletes because they aren't able to say what they want. Um, the First Amendment states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, yada, yada, yada. A case that might be a little more fun that ties into the First Amendment or the breaking of thereof Therefore, whatever. <laughs> um, it has to do with the defensive lineman Marvin Austin at UNC, University of North Carolina. And his tweet led to a seven-year-long scandal with the University of North Carolina versus the NCAA. It all started with a tweet at 6 a.m. all the way back in 2010. So Marvin Austin is one of the defensive linemen, um, and he created a tweet that said, don't laugh at me when I say this, I live in Club Live, so I get the tenant rate. Come in like it's a getaway. So these are quotes to Rick Ross's Sweet Life. And again, it's at 6 o'clock in the morning. So the NCAA took it that he might have been hanging out at this Miami club. You know, maybe it was Austin and a few of the other players. They might have been getting this exclusive treatment because they're star athletes. And wow, is all I have to say to that. Um... So, you know, he created this tweet. The NCAA was like, hmm, you're up to something. Went and did, went on this investigation. So not only were they looking at all the players' social media, they then went on and were looking at text messages, emails, you know. In my opinion, I believe this is a complete invasion of privacy just because of a tweet. I, you know, I'm guilty of tweeting lyrics. I'm guilty of quoting my Instagram caption as lyrics. You know, I don't, we all do it. You can't even deny it. We all do it. And the fact that this led to an investigation... It's ridiculous. But um, good and bad came out of this. You know, uh, Austin actually set out an entire investigation that caused him to be dismissed from the team. Two other teammates were suspended, and the coach, Butch Davis, was fired. So two seasons were taken away from them <laughs> because of this. And they had to vacate the 2008 and 2009 seasons. Because through this investigation, they found violations of academic fraud and allegedly fake classes were created for these athletes so they meet their credit requirements while in season. In 2017, the NCAA said that they weren't able to prove that these classes were fraud and only meant for athletes so that it wasn't a sport concern and they completely dismissed the case. 
seven years later. (laughs) So the NCAA is punishing an athlete because of a tweet that is less than 280 characters. At the time, back in 2010, it was only 140 characters, but I needed to, you know, keep the title up at the times, you know? So his entire college career, Austin's entire collegiate career had been taken away, and UNC had been punished for seven years. As a result of a tweet made at 6 a.m. with lyrics that might have just been a hype song used for a morning team lift. It might have not been because he was at a party or because... You know, he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He was just expressing a song that he liked. And as a result, he caused (laughs) this big uproar. This particular case, you know, it gets to me too. I don't know. This whole everything, when I get into free speech and, you know, social media, um, I just think it's such an interesting topic because, I mean, yes, these student-athletes are restricted, but then it really makes you think about just the public in general and how people get quote caught up because of things that they accidentally put online and you know women are now known for being like FBI investigators and finding things out online you know it can get complicated because the athletes are aware of what they're signing they know they're signing away the rights of their social media like potential that they have um you know that's completely at the discretion of the athlete if they choose to do that but then it becomes do I give up my freedom of speech or do I give up my entire collegiate athletic career? Some people don't have the option to give up their career. They need the scholarship to get an education to move forward in life or they want to play in the big leagues. You know, it just depends on what your motive is. And it shouldn't be that, that you have to sacrifice one or the other. So I have another example here as well. Um, let me find it. One second, please. All right, so this example here comes right from the section compliance information from the Utah State Athletic Department's um, student-athlete agreement. They prohibit student-athletes from posting any images of, quote, inappropriate behavior, end quote, including the display of firearms, including military personnel. So you're telling me that if the Utah State football quarterback had a brother who died in war overseas, or he just in any military branch of government, whatever, whatever. And um, he had a picture of him on base holding his gun, you know, protecting the freedom of our country. That is up for debate on what you believe in the military realm. But you're telling me that he's not able to post this picture to remember his brother on his social media. So not only is this impacting the First Amendment, it is also impacting the Second Amendment because it's the right to bear arms. Even though it's not him actually doing it, the Utah State is restricting him from posting the display of any firearms. So that is something that I find extremely interesting to note. You know, you're taking away a large part of the college experience for these students. You know, they already sacrifice themselves six out of seven days out of the week you know, 16-hour days, they don't see any friends, they're constantly working out or studying or, you know, going to the, going to, um, the film room, you know. They completely dedicate their lives to their university, to their sport, and great, they volunteer to do so. But what they don't volunteer to do is to give up the right to have their own opinions and to express them on social media. Social media is more important now more than ever. I said that at the very beginning of this episode. You can't get away from it. 
you know, if you're a student athlete and you're going to be a um, marketing professional, you need to know the different social media platforms. You need to know how to navigate each of them. You need to experiment. You need to do, you need to, you know, create these portfolios such as we're doing in my uh, sport media class and be able to showcase those so you can land a job when you graduate. And by taking, you know, the accessibility away from these athletes and, you know, you're just hindering their growth. And it's not every university. They all have their different organization rules. I think the problem stems from the NCAA from not creating their own guidelines to begin with. They're kind of just like, yeah, figure it out. If it gets out of hand, we'll take it to court. That's literally what they're saying. Um, So I think there's a lot that can be done here. Um, Another example of social media restrictions is a a backup kicker from UCF, University of Central Florida. His name's Donald DeLaHaye. He was found in violation of amateurism um, because he created a YouTube channel and he was making money from it. So before he even went to college, he created this YouTube channel. And the university said, hey, you know, we don't agree with this. If you want to be a part of the NFL, or the, not the NFL, my bad, the NCAA, you need to demonetize your account or you can't play for us. And he was like, I worked hard for this. I deserve this. You know, I have... I have the right to communicate on these social media platforms. My posts have not caused any disruption to UCF. I don't understand what the problem is. And this ties a little into name, image, and likeness, the amateurism aspect. So that is something that's currently being debated. It's currently a problem. Um, let's say, you know, I don't know. He, he's met a lot of cool people. I was on the channel a little bit watching a few of his videos, and he's still doing what he loves. He loves football, and he chose YouTube over his football career, but that doesn't take away his skills, and he's able to show that on media, which is great. Um, You know, also, during the recent 2020 social movements, I mentioned how, in the blog I read, student-athletes were the most quiet because they were afraid of what would happen, and the institution they played for silenced them, and I think that was an extremely interesting opinion, but at the same time, I believe it to be true. And that is my opinion, that I agree with her opinion. I shouldn't have said her, but you know what? We're fine. <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting topic. You know, I, I titled this Restricting Student-Athletes to 280 Characters or Less because you can potentially ruin your entire future through a tweet, not necessarily because of you saying something that's legally wrong or defensive, but because your university is in control of it. I find that very discomforting. So to summarize this little podcast here, I honestly thought it would have been really cool if I had a student athlete sitting with me (laughs) and we were talking about this because this is completely an opinion that I'm expressing. You know, these are facts that I'm providing you with certain cases at certain universities, but I'm definitely portraying this in a way where I'm implementing my own opinion and you can definitely tell it's it's a little bit more laid back. Um, but to wrap it up, you know, I just think that the NCAA could do a better job to create uniformity between these universities. I don't think it's fair to begin with to restrict social media, but if you want the athletes to, you know, focus on their sport and not kind of dilly-dally on TikTok, that was a very old expression I just used, dilly-dally. Okay. <laughs> um, if you don't want them to, like, be hanging out on TikTok, who are you to control their time? Be like... I just don't fully understand what the need for control is of the student athletes. You know, give them some guidelines, treat them how to use social media for their own benefit. Um, I don't know, just pull back on trying to completely restrict and just 
you know, give more structure. Where they're all young individuals, you know, I'm only, I'm 21 now, but I'm about to be 22 in two weeks, three weeks. Um, about to be 22. And when I was 18, the stuff I was posting on my Snapchat, my Twitter, you know, it wouldn't get me kicked out of school, but it was stuff I wouldn't want my grandparents to see, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of like that. Would you want your prospective employers to see this? No, but you need to educate them at a younger age. Um, so yeah, that is what I found interesting to talk about for today. Um, and that is all. So thank you for listening. Tune in next time. You know, I don't really know of any topics to talk about, but I I like sharing my opinions. So here we go. (laughs) Bye, guys.